0: Turn your Bibles to Hebrews 11:23. We're going to see more examples. More examples of real people following God in real life. Look at Hebrews 11 verse 23. If you don't have a Bible, please look on to somebody beside you. If you look beside you and somebody beside you doesn't have a Bible, share that with them, please. There's no overheads this morning. We are going to rely on you having Bibles today. So, Hebrews 11:23. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us examples lord thank you for being at work in the lives of real people throughout history you've always been at work in people's lives lord thank you that you give us testimony after testimony eyewitness account after eyewitness account not only in your word but today as well lord thank you that you give us accounts so that we might be inspired to live by faith in you not faith in our ability but faith in your ability God, I pray this morning that our faith would be stirred, but not a pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps kind of faith, a faith that sees you who are invisible, sees you who are greater, sees you who rewards and responds and acts in faith. Father, I pray for all those who are lacking faith this morning, all those who are dull this morning, all those who are weary this morning, that you would enliven us. She would enliven us with your word. She would inspire us with these accounts of people who were changed by you, who were made faithful by you. God, I pray for your word that I would be able to preach it clearly this morning. Pray for the people here who are hearing that they be able to hear from you. That they'd cast aside anything that's not from you. You pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I was riding in my minivan the other day. We have a Swagger wagon, you know, one of those little minivans. It's white, it's cool. Not really, but um, I, I kid myself into thinking that. I was riding in the minivan, and um, as I was making some noises, you know, because I've got five kids, and so when you have five kids, you start to make noises, and, uh, and you don't catch yourself doing those things, but I caught all of a sudden, uh, Gideon was, was mimicking me from the back seat, and so I made a noise, and he made a noise, I thought, wait a minute, that must be accidental, so I made another noise, and he made a noise, and I made another noise, and he made a noise, and then we had this little game going. Where I made kind of different sounds, and I go scooby da and he go da 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 da, and um, and then we do different things like that, and and it just it struck me that he's always listening, he's always watching. I know I've known that with all my kids. All my kids are always listening, always watching. Remember last night, Julie and I were talking even in our bedroom, and from the other room, Abby was like, um, "You know I can hear you, right?" <laughs> and and our our kids, my kids, are constantly looking. For an example, they're constantly looking to see. What we're doing, how we're behaving, will how we're behaving, will that meet up with what we say we believe? They're actually looking at how we speak. I've caught Noah with some of the same mannerisms and inflections. Lord help him! Um, but one day, one day his kids too will probably mimic some of the same things, and you know, maybe they'll do this with their hands too. I was told I do this a lot, so I don't know. Maybe they'll do that. But um, we we we're we're born, we're naturally born to look for examples. God made us as humans. He he made us to look for examples in other people. And he he wired us that way so that we learn from other people that way. So um, the writer of Hebrews, he's taking advantage of that. And he's giving us some examples of faith. He's giving us examples not of what faith sounds like. Not just what faith says. But he's giving us examples of what faith does and what faith doesn't do. He's giving us examples of how faith acts and what faith doesn't act on. He's giving us examples of what faith is. why? Because we all are like children. We need examples. We learn best from examples. That's why I had Dale share this morning. We need to hear testimonies of where God's at work, and how, how are normal people working through, responding in simple ways, stepping out on faith. You see, the, the four things that Dale shared this morning. They weren't complex. They weren't these huge, difficult things. If you even look at some of the examples, some of the examples aren't massive examples in and of themselves that God gives us in Scripture, but they're just simply people responding to God's Word, taking steps of faith, acting on God's Word and stepping out. So we're going to see a bunch of different examples The author of Hebrews is giving examples to this little beleaguered church. This church had been buffeted by many trials. They had experienced the great trials of suffering. They had been persecuted. Many of them had been thrown in jail. Their friends had been thrown in jail. They were tempted to turn back. If you remember in Hebrews 10, it was a warning to them and to us as well. It says, watch out. Be on guard so you don't lose faith. You don't turn back. Don't turn back to the old ways. Don't turn back to your old habits. Don't turn back to comfort. Be careful. Be on guard. And he's warning them. And then, and then he gives example after example. It began with the examples of Abraham and, and, the, and the family of the patriarchs. And this morning is continuing again. Seeing faith. Faith is, is living obediently in response to God's Word. And so we see a bunch of just simple, obedient responses to God's Word. We saw last week just very encouraging examples. I was very encouraged by by looking back and seeing the the flawed patriarchs and the examples of, of faith as they just went out and they obediently responded to God's Word that they lived in light of God's homeland and they lived for the reward that He had and they sacrificed for God by faith. We saw last week that living by faith, it really believes that God can do the impossible. It believes that God can do what we are unable to do. That's what living by faith looks like. And we need those examples in life, don't we? Abraham believed that God could raise his son from the dead. And Joseph believed that God would bring the people out of Egypt even when there was no way in sight. He prophesied that they were going to bring his bones out one day. And so now the author of Hebrews, he's transitioning and he uses that as a transition piece. And he says, Joseph prophesied about the day that the exodus would occur... And then what happens? God raised up a man, Moses, so that the exodus would occur and did occur. And so now the author of Hebrews is looking back where Joseph looked forward. Moses was the fulfillment of Joseph's faith. He's showing that God indeed did lead the people out through Moses, and he gives us more examples of faith. And I, I believe that God really just has one main idea that I, he wants us to get this morning, and And again, no overhead, so listen closely. One main idea that God wants us to get this morning, it's really just that faithful people act. Faithful people act on their faith, trusting that God rewards. Faithful people act on their faith, trusting that God rewards. You and I, we're called to act on our faith, trusting that God rewards. Sometimes we will not see the reward. Like Dale, he may or may not see the reward immediately of praying with his wife every day or trying to be an encouragement or trying to meet with other guys. But we we step out, take small steps of faith in our lives or sometimes large steps of faith in our lives. Faithful people act on their faith and trusting that God rewards. Today we're going to look at examples of what faith looks like. Because I need examples. I'm like a little kid at times. I, I need to see somebody else. Responding in faith because it, sometimes it becomes unclear. What does it look like to live a life of faith? What is it really like? I become discouraged and hopeless and, and think that I can't do it. you ever, you ever feel like that? You're, like, you're hopeless and you, I don't know how to live by faith. Circumstances seem too much. Trials seem too much. Your own sin seems too much. And I need to see other people that they've made it through, that they've lived a life of faith trusting in God's rewards. And I need to see that God's really rewarded them. So instead of each walking through each point on its own, really, I'm just going to go line by line, verse by verse. We're going to take each verse and see just really two things. We're going to see what two things, what faithful people don't do and what faithful people do. Really two points, what faithful people don't do and what faithful people do as they trust that God rewards. It's like my son. We all need those examples. We need to look at examples. So let's look down at verse 23. Look in your Bibles, if you will, please. In verse 23, it says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful. And that's not meaning he was physically attracted, but they, they saw that something was unique about him. But they were not afraid of the king's edict. Think about it. Behind Abraham, Moses, he's one of the greatest characters in the entire Old Testament. He's He's one of really the heroes. He was born in the midst of tumultuous times. In Egypt, a new king had arisen over Egypt that had forgotten all about Joseph. If you remember, Joseph had rescued the entire nation of Egypt and also most of the Middle East through providing for Egypt. God had given Joseph wisdom and favor. And, but now, in Moses' time, the Pharaoh had forgotten who Joseph was. And how he rescued Egypt from destitution. And now the Israelites, they had multiplied greatly. And the Egyptians began to fear the Israelites that they might overtake them. So turn your Bibles over to Exodus 1. Keep your finger in, if you will, keep your finger in Hebrews 11. And turn your Bibles over to Exodus 1. We're going to read verses 10 through 12. Exodus is just the second book of the Bible. Exodus 1, verse 10, it says, Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh store cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. Okay, so that's the setting that we have Moses born into. And so we know that the Pharaoh, he eventually commanded all the sons of those born to the Hebrew people were to be thrown into the Nile. What a tragedy, if you can imagine that today. That all of the sons that were born to you were commanded to be thrown into the river. But Moses' parents, it said, they had faith in God, and they defied Pharaoh. Faith for them looked like stepping out and defying Pharaoh, defying the authorities. It says they kept the boy alive. They couldn't conceal him any longer. And then they believed that God would rescue him, so she put him in a little little basket and covered it with uh, pitch and, and put it in the river. I can only imagine the thoughts that went through that mother's head. In that day, she's aware that there's crocodiles in the river and other animals there. And there's all kinds of perils and drowning. And yet, in faith, she knew that God had something great destined for her baby. And so, in faith, she, she set the baby adrift and had the sister follow. They didn't fear the king. They feared God. God. What he's trying to get across is that faithful people don't fear man. They don't fear consequences of, of the rulers. They don't feel fear going to jail for their faith. Faithful people don't fear man, faithful people fear God. It's the lesson for the Hebrews, the lesson for us is acting on faith at times can appropriately look like disobeying authorities. It can look like fearing God instead of fearing the king. Look down at verse 24, it says, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter would have held great renown and reward. But, but in his identification with the people of Israel, what did Moses do? He didn't take great renown and great reward. But he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He effectively renounced the position as the son of Pharaoh's daughter He identified himself instead with these downtrodden people, these downcast, these beaten up, oppressed slaves. And it revealed really what was going on inside. His actions revealed his faith in God. What what do our actions reveal? Do our actions reveal our faith in God or do they reveal our faith in ourselves or maybe our awareness of circumstances, situations? His actions demonstrated that he refused and he renounced the right to be the heir of Pharaoh's daughter, instead he claimed the right to be part of God's oppressed people. So he, he left Egypt and he went to the land of Midian. You know the story, he was there for 40 years and he chose hardship instead of pleasure for the sake of following God. And at times, God's people are going to be called to, in faith, say, I'm not going to choose a life of pleasure, I'm going to choose a life of following God and saying no to pleasure. I'm not going to choose a life of renown, instead I'm going to choose a life of saying I want His renown. Maybe life of faith requires you in your workplace to say, no, I'm not going to live for my renown. I'm going to live for God's renown. I'm going to make hard decisions, tough decisions. Maybe I'm going to knock off early and not spend 70 hours a week at work because I want to live for God's renown and, and not my own renown. Maybe for some men it means actually working longer and harder to show God's glory. Maybe for some in school, kids, teens, it, it means speaking up for God and not being worried about what people think. Moses chose to not live for the renown of men. He chose instead to live for the renown of God, to to associate himself with God's people who were going to be oppressed. He turned down reputation. He turned down notoriety. Think about it. He He was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh was the most powerful man likely in the entire world at the time. He commanded mighty armies and great wealth. Egypt had survived famine and become a strong nation, where many nations around them had probably crumbled or become destitute. And Egypt was a great and powerful nation. And so Moses is no small thing. He was raised in the palace. He was given all the things you could ever imagine he would want. Nothing was withheld from him. And he said no to those things and instead associated him with the slaves. He turned down fame in the esteem of the world. He turned down people liking him. The Hebrews needed to hear these things. They needed to hear what faith looked like. They needed to hear that God would enable others to do those things. They needed to hear that God would enable them to turn down the esteem of men. We need to hear that God will enable you to turn down the esteem of men. To turn down people liking you. You know, think today about how actors, they receive a lot of undue fame and, and attention But being the son of Pharaoh's daughter would have held greater fame and power and would have had some merit to it. It says, By faith, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Faith doesn't look like the fame and notoriety of this world, faith doesn't look like what is seen. Instead, faith looks to what God says is true. So, where for you? Where for me? Where do we look? Where do we look? Where are, where are our eyes? Where's our gaze? Are we looking to God in faith or instead are we looking to situations or circumstances? Are we looking to pleasing men, pleasing others, having people respect us, having people like us? In our days so many people strive to be popular and well known. Thinking about it, so many people try to be famous in whatever way they can. Um, some do a lot of ridiculous stunts and feats and for their fit, grab their 15 seconds of fame. If you go on YouTube at any moment, you can see people doing outrageous acts and posting them there so that they can be famous. There's so-called reality shows. I say so-called because there's nothing real about that kind of life. So-called reality shows of people living just ridiculous lives that so many people are addicted to. I can anybody who likes reality shows, by the way, but that's not reality. Today, there's so many people being famous just for being famous, and there's no skill, there's no talent that got them there. That's why we have people like Paris Hilton or the Kardashians or Snooki. I had to look up who Snooki was. Um, please, please, <laughs> please don't go home, Google Snooki. Okay, it's not, not helpful. Um, You you can try to be popular, try to fit in, try to... Our cultures consume with this desire to want to be noticed. Our cultures consume with this desire to be popular, to be famous. But that's not the way that we're meant to be as Christians. We're not meant to... people of faith are not meant to live with this consuming desire to be popular. This consuming desire to be accepted by people. This consuming desire to... To be famous, to be liked, to be applauded by men, our culture says that 's what we should live for. The Bible says no! Moses, he had all those things we we 're not to live for that we 're to live by faith in God, that god 's the true reward, that all those things are really fading, passing' rewards they they 're meaningless. Teens try to be popular, young people try to fit in when they don 't they get depressed. I remember how driven I was by the approval of other people that I I drank when I was a teenager. I did things that I I shouldn't have done and I, I knew they didn't please God because I wanted to be accepted by other people. I wanted to be seen as great. I wanted to fit in. I desired the respect and approval of people more than I wanted the respect of God. That's really a lack of faith. It says that God doesn't really reward and yet men reward Okay, so fear of man, it's, it's tied to a lack of faith in God. It says that God does not reward, but men reward. It says that I don't believe that God really sees what I'm doing, and it, it really matters to God. It's a lack of faith in God. It's a lack of sight of who God is. And what we're being called to do is to, to live a life in faith, to appropriately fear God instead of fearing man, to want His approval because He loves us. I forgot who God was, and by fearing man I subtly believed that God wasn't who He said He was. I replaced believing that God rewards, that God's rewards are greater than man's with believing the acclaim of other people was really worth living for. Do you ever live that way? You, you, have you subtly believed that the acclaim of other people is worth living for? Faithful people don't live for the acclaim of others. Faithful people do live for the acclaim of God. It takes faith in the fact that he'll reward those who fear him to say no to fearing man. It takes faith to see that God's the one whose opinions matter most in the opinion of all mankind. Even if everyone would bow down to us and worship us, it's meaningless. And so Moses, he had that kind of faith that God's opinion is what mattered most. He believed that even the world though he would face rejection and ridicule, God would reward him. And this letter it's written to people, the Hebrews, who were tempted to give in to the opinions and, and pressures of people around them. And we're tempted that way all day long. We're always tempted to give in that way. Not just teens who are tempted to be popular and liked and compromise and give in just a little. Adults, face it. let's face it, we're, we're tempted to give in too, aren't we? We're tempted to live as if what others think of us matters more than what God says. We're tempted to live for the acclaim of others and the praise of others. And at times we do things just to hear the praise of other men and women. It sounds awful, but it's true. Sometimes you do things just to be noticed, and you're hoping somebody will notice, and nobody noticed, and you get depressed and down. You ever feel that way? What that's saying is we're lacking faith in God, and we're forgetting God sees. God sees our obedience to Him. God sees our faithfulness to Him. God will reward. Whether in this life or the life to come, we need to have faith that God will reward. God does reward those who have faith in him. If you're struggling with the fear, man, let's struggle no longer. Realize, hey, I gotta remember, God will reward me. I don't need to be caught up with worrying about what other people think about me. It takes faith to stand out, to be different, to step up, to be noticed. What you do and what you say, it takes faith to stand up for God, to be different to the culture. It takes faith to refuse to live to be called popular, to live to be called cool, or maybe you want to be called hipster or gangsta or whatever. <laughs> Instead, by faith, we can be called to be children of the most high God. What do you want to be called? Let's, let's by faith, be called children of the most High God. What greater acclaim could we want? Moses did not consider the reproach of Egypt as greater than the treasures, really, of, of Christ. The treasures he would receive. Why in the world would we try to be called to anything else? Why would we seek the approval of, or fame of anybody else? Why will we... We're chosen, we're adopted children of God the great king, the great creator of all. Why do we want to be known by any other name? Verse 25, look down there. It tells us that Moses chose, he says, look in your Bible, rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Okay, so faithful people don't choose the fleeting pleasures of sin. Faithful people do choose instead to be mistreated with the people of God. Moses he would have had access to all the best of everything in the richest nation of the world at the time. Nothing would have been withheld from him. Think about it. Egypt was very wealthy. He could have had and done anything he wanted. Nothing within the bounds of Egypt's pleasures would have been withheld. But by faith, he chose to be mistreated. What a great choice that is. You know what? Hey, I can do anything. I can get anything. I can can indulge in any pleasure I want. But by faith, he chose to be mistreated with the people of God because he looked forward to God's reward. He had endless pleasures. He could have indulged in leisure and sport. He could have freely enjoyed every available form of entertainment. You know, we're so easily tempted to indulge in, in momentary fleeting pleasures. We're so easily tempted to indulge in the fleeting pleasures of of, of lust and pornography and sexual sins. We're so easily tempted to indulge in drunkenness and all kinds of things and fleeting pleasures that don't last. The acclaim of other people. We're tempted to believing in this life that the pleasures of sin are all that there are. You ever tempted that way? All, you could, all you're aware of is this temptation that's before you. You feel like you can't say no to it. What that is, is it's sin telling you that his pleasures are lasting and you're losing faith, you're losing sight of faith in God and seeing that no, his pleasures are lasting forevermore. His pleasures are never ending. He rewards in a way that will never fail. It will never fail to satisfy. Sin tempts us it even tastes good for a little while. And it's not saying that Sin doesn't have pleasure. What it's saying is it's a fleeting pleasure. It's acknowledging it's a pleasure, but it's a fleeting pleasure. It's not a pleasure that lasts. So don't be tempted to think that the pleasures of sin will last, that those are something you should have faith in. Instead, have faith in God, that you can be called the people of God, and that God is a God who rewards. Look down on verse 26. It says, He consider the reproach of Christ greater than the wealth of the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. He was looking to the reward. How can we have faith? We can have faith knowing that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith doesn't look forward to the treasures of this life. Faith does look forward to God's reward. Faithful people don't. Look forward to the treasures of this earth. Faithful people do look forward to the treasures that God gives. How would you understand this verse? Did Moses actually see Christ? Is that what he's saying in this verse? When you first read this verse, he, said, he considered a of Christ? What's up with that? Christ wasn't around? What, what? I don't think the text is saying that he actually saw Jesus. But what it's saying is that he identified with the people of God. The Lord's anointed him because he believed the promises that God had given to the children of Israel. He believed in the anointed one to come. Moses himself actually prophesied that one day a prophet would would rise up to be greater than him. That would truly redeem the people, truly free the people from their slavery. Moses believed that all who follow God's anointed one, God would ultimately rescue. God's anointed one ultimately would receive the reproach that we deserve. Jesus ultimately said no to the fame of this world and instead received all the repro- reproach that we deserved. He received all the condemnation that we deserve. And yet we're to consider the reproach of Christ greater than the wealth of treasures here on earth. Moses experienced a similar kind of reproach is what it's saying and he identified with God's people. He turned away from earthly rewards to the lasting rewards. Maybe God's calling you to turn away from earthly rewards and turn to lasting rewards, to not look to achieve treasures in this earth, but instead to identify with God's people and by faith see that God is the one who really rewards. We get to the end of chapter 11 of Hebrews to see that all these people, they believed, all these heroes of the faith, even though they couldn't see it, they were included in salvation with us lest they be separated from us. Not only were we grafted in, Paul tells us in Romans that we've been grafted in as Israel, into Israel's tree, into Israel's family, we're now all part of the family of faith, so that no one can say that they're alone. No one who, has, who doesn't have an earthly family on the earth, can say, I have no family. If they're a Christian, they can say, I have a family. But not only that, the saints of old, it says, are included in the gospel. Even though they did not know Christ, they believed the promises of God that He would send an anointed one, a Messiah, somebody greater to redeem God's people. They trusted that He would be faithful to His promises to redeem. And now Moses is being held up as an example of looking forward to the reward. Saints, this morning, where are you looking forward to? Where is your faith? Are you looking forward to the God who rewards or to the temporary treasures of this earth? Now look in verse 27, it says, By faith Moses left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. When Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, he didn't fear the anger of the king. He didn't look at the things of this world as being greater than God. He didn't fear what the future held, even when he faced the potential for the armies of Israel, Egypt to come down on him. Think about that. They, they left Egypt in the middle of the night, probably. They left And and they didn't fear the the fact that the armies of Egypt, the greatest, most powerful armies, were after them, and they were not an armed people. He didn't give in to fear. Instead, he endured. Even with the threat of the mighty king at his back, he placed his faith in the unseen God, in the God who was invisible. And the God who's invisible enabled him to endure. And for us this morning, although you cannot see God, God, the invisible God, is the one who will enable you to endure. No matter what armies, no matter what threats might face you. Like Moses endured without seeing, the saints of old were to endure by looking to Jesus who can't be seen with earthly eyes but can be understood and, and perceived by faith. That's what our call is this morning as well. We're to, we're to look to Jesus. who We can't see him with our earthly eyes, but we can perceive Him by faith. Now it says in verse 28, By faith He kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, Moses kept the commandment of God to slaughter lambs and sprinkle their blood on the doorposts and the lintels of the doors. This might have seemed a little strange to Moses what in the world we're going to kill a lamb we're going to sprinkle the blood all over the place um, God this seems a little odd it seems a little bloody it seems a little weird it seems a little strange probably didn't understand fully why God had them do this but he believed what God said would come true and he obeyed and led the people to obey and they were spared and now the author of Hebrews he's, he's intentionally bringing up a type of Christ like, just like he did with Abraham and, and how Abraham went to slaughter Isaac and God per- Prepared a perfect lamb as a substitutionary sacrifice. They didn't know. They didn't know they were hoping in a type of of Christ. Moses didn't realize at the time that he was hoping in a type of Christ. And yet we can see that God's plan all throughout history is, is woven like this beautiful scarlet thread. All throughout history you can see that God's plan and his purpose was always to bring a sacrificial lamb to save his people, to take our place. And and seeing the stories of the Old Testament, is meant to give us faith. You see, that God's always been at work this way. God's always been at work throughout history. It says, by faith, in verse 28, 29, look down your Bibles, by faith the people crossed the Red Sea as if on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. One of my favorite kids' movies was uh, The Prince of Egypt. I don't know if you've seen that before or not. Remember the scene where the Israelites, they were walking through the middle of the Red Sea, and there's just water. It's stacked up in these great walls on either side. And it's kind of this funny scene where you see, um, sharks swimming through the water and fish and this, this whale comes up close and the people are a little confused and <laughs> they're coming down. Wait a minute, is this really okay? Is this really all right to do in the middle of the water? It must have been loud and frightening. Remember there was an east wind that blew all night long that stacked up the water. So it was probably windy and loud and the water stood up tall. It was intimidating. It was scary. What if they walked down the sea floor and the water suddenly rushed down on them and killed them and their kids and their babies and their, their grandparents and the, the people who were infirmed? At first, they were terrified by the Egyptians, but jo- Moses in- encouraged them to not be afraid. And then in response to their faith and going forward, then God parts the Red Sea. And He causes this wind to blow and they crossed over on dry land. And it took a great step of faith to go out into the way that God had prepared for them. When they faced great storms, literally storms, they saw that God was the one who was at work in the midst of the storms. In our lives, we're going to face great storms at times. We're going to face great trials. Sometimes it's loud, it's scary, it's frightening, it's terrifying even. We see that God, really, are you preparing preparing this way for me to go? Through this this tumultuous, what, really? Lord, are you calling me to go that way? And yet faithful people step out and obey Him and follow Him even in the midst of the storms of life. Now look down at verse 30. It says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they'd been circled for seven days. When God told Joshua and the people to march around Jericho, it probably seemed rather strange. probably seemed a little odd. Grown men marching around a city seven times and they're going to blow some horns. They're going to yell. <laughs> this, is, this is military tactics? I don't think so. You you don't study this in in any modern warfare tactics. Hey, when you encounter uh, a fortress, what you should do is you should march around it seven times, maybe every day, keep marching, and then yell. That seemed a little foolish, probably. So it took faith for the people to obey and trust that they didn't understand what God was calling them to, but they took steps of faith and followed God anyway. You know, if marching around in circles makes walls fall down, then I'd have no house. My kids, they run around constantly. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything. It's loud, but it doesn't make anything fall. Um, God was testing His people to see if they'd trust in Him, see if they'd obey Him. And then as they placed their faith in Him, did they, did they make the, the walls come down? No. Did their faith make the walls come down? No, their faith didn't do it. But their faith in God was what he honored, and God made the walls come crashing down. You might be facing insurmountable circumstances and situations in your life. God's just calling us to walk out obediently. He's the one who tears down walls in our life. We don't do it. Our faith doesn't do it. We don't, we don't make ourselves strong. We don't make ourselves mighty. We don't, we don't dominate the enemies that we have and conquer the, the things in our lives. No, but God does as we simply step out in faith and respond. Faithful people obey God even when it isn't clear. Let's look at verse 31 together. I love that the verse 31 is included in this passage. I want to take just a moment to really focus on verse 31. It says, look down your Bibles by faith. Now notice, all the people we've heard about before in, in chapter 11, all the people were patriarchs so far. All the people we've heard about in chapter 11 are men of renown, men of great faith, and men who you would think would be heroes, right? Now it comes to verse 31, and now we have something very unexpected. Somebody very unexpected comes to the scene here. By faith, Rahab. What does it call her? The prostitute. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute. Somebody who would not have been acceptable in society that day. Somebody who would have been an outcast. Somebody who would have looked down upon. Somebody who would have been really the lowest of the low who sold her body for gain. But by faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. See, this is not just about the faith of Moses or Joshua or the obviously called people of God. This is about the faith of the unlikely. This is about the faith of the undeserving. This is about the faith of the unworthy. See, Rahab wasn't a Jewish woman. She did not belong to the people of Israel. She was not worthy She wasn't acceptable as a Jew to begin with. In fact, she was one of the people destined for destruction. And besides Sarah, this is the only other woman listed in the hall of faith in this passage in Hebrews. She's an unlikely hero. Not only is she a heathen, she's a woman. And women were not highly esteemed in that day. Thank God that's changed. More than all this, she was a prostitute. She sold her body for favors to countless men. She was known in the whole city as a prostitute, so much so that the king knew of her. She believed in God, though, even before she had proof of God. She had heard testimonies of the people of Israel. And she heard testimonies of who God was. And she believed, that is, that's the God above all gods. That's the God who's going to come and he's going to take this whole land. Even before she'd seen it happen. You see, nobody had been um, dominated yet. Nobody, no city had fallen yet in Canaan. Jericho was the first city of conquest. They were the first city across the Jordan. First city in the promised land. No other cities had fallen. So there's no reason for her to believe that all these cities were going to fall. But she saw the unseen God and she responded. We know the story. The king of the city told him to bring the people, the spies out. Heard that spies had come there. She lies. She lies and says, no, they were here, but they left. They left. And then she hides them up on the roof, and then she goes and tells them, and she says, I hid you on the roof, and here's why I hid you. She says, I know that the Lord, this is in, in Joshua 2, verse 9. I'll just read it to you. I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the fear of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. That had not happened yet. The inhabitants of the land, had not, their hearts had not melted away yet. For we know, we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites. They heard about the other side of the Jordan. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in the heavens above and on earth beneath. Do you believe what she believed? He's God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. And then she makes them swear by God, knowing that God is going to give the city to them. She gave a friendly welcome to the spies. We found out later that in Joshua 6 that she went on to live in the land of Israel with them she was rescued God redeemed her in response to her faith it would have been in her interest humanly speaking for her to stay in the city it was a walled fortified city all of her family all of her friends were there there was no reason for her to think that she was in peril and yet she saw God and believed that God would say do what he said he was going to do and she declares the Lord your God he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath Now I swear to me by God she placed her faith in the Lord that God would do what he said he was going to do and she was spared because of her faith. Faithful people place their faith in the faithful God. God didn't just honor Rahab by saving her and her whole family. He he honored this lowly woman. This is one of my favorite accounts. I love the account in Genesis of Tamar and I love the account here of Rahab. God honors this lowly woman, this woman who would have been scorned and rejected by society, who probably was mistreated and neglected by her family. You see, a woman that day, who had, she had family that was alive. She had brothers. She had a father and mother. So she was obviously mistreated by her family because the family would have provided for a woman in that day. And yet God, one who was rejected by everybody else, God accepted her. Not only did God accept her, it's really cool. God gave her a special place in redemptive history. Not only is she recorded as a hero of faith in Joshua and Hebrews, she went on to settle down among the Israelites and marry a man. She gave up prostitution. Here's what Matthew writes of her in Genealogy of Jesus. Matthew 1, 5. Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. And who... You remember the story of Boaz? Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth. Remember the story of Ruth? and Ob- Oh my goodness. This is the mother of Boaz who marries Ruth. And it says, of o- Father of Obed by Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David the king. God redeems all those who place their faith in Him. It doesn't matter what your past is, doesn't matter what your history is, doesn't matter what you've done, what that hidden sin is that you don't want anybody else to know about, doesn't matter how dirty you feel, how bad you are. God, honor this woman who has simple faith in Him. Faithful people have faith in the faithful God. He acts in response, this woman who is referred to all throughout Scripture as the prostitute God made her the grandmother of King David and became the forerunner of Christ. And the Messiah himself is in the line, the lineage of Rahab, the prostitute. God's God who redeems by faith. You have situations, circumstances in your life that you, you don't think God can redeem? Faithful people put their trust in the God who redeems. God brought redemption through Rahab, one who seemed irredeemable in the eyes of society. God can redeem any and every circumstance, any and every situation, no matter what walls you face, no matter what waters, no matter what storms you face, no matter what trials, no matter what government, no matter what people think about you. God is the God who is worthy of faith. God is the God who is worthy of our trust because God is the God who rewards those who have faith in Him. God rescued Rahab and brought others to redemption through her. God takes all who comes to him in faith. It doesn't matter what your past is, how dirty you feel, what you've done. What was significant is that Rahab turned away from her world and trusted in God and she placed her faith in God and God changed her. Ultimately, it wasn't Moses' faith that saved him. It wasn't the people's faith that saved him. It wasn't Joshua's faith that saved him. It wasn't faith that brought the walls of Jericho down. It wasn't even Rahab's faith that saved him. It was God honoring their faith, and by grace, saving them, redeeming them, rewarding them. Go ahead and stand, please, if you will. This morning, maybe God is calling you. I love the word we heard from Dale earlier this morning, about God calling us to step out in faith. This morning, maybe God's calling us to step out in faith, to trust who He is, that He is really who He says He is, and He rewards those who seek Him. Maybe He's calling you to respond to Him for the first time. Maybe you've not placed your faith, your trust in Him, and place your faith in the the fact that He's provided a substitute in Jesus for you. God's calling you to respond. Maybe God is calling you to respond this morning and, and say no to the fear of man and have faith in Him instead. Maybe God's calling you to not look at the storms of life, but instead look to Him. Maybe God's calling you not to look at the obstacles that are these walls that are in your life but instead to to look at Him. Maybe God's calling you not to look at your own sin but to look to Him. Maybe He's calling you to say no to earthly rewards and trust in Him to to save you instead. Maybe He spoke to you to not be afraid of the consequences to trust in Him. Maybe like the people of Israel God's calling you to step out even when you can't see and don't understand and when it seems a little scary, maybe God's calling you like Rahab to take risks for him. I believe that God's speaking to each and every one of us here, calling us to have renewed faith in him, acting in faith on God and trusting that God reward. Let's pray. Father, I pray for each and every one of us that we would respond to With faith, not in ourselves, our own ability to respond even God, but we respond and say, God, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, I want to believe in you. I want to trust in you. I want to respond to you, God. I want to be a man and a woman, a child, a daughter, a son of faith. I want to be the kind of person who doesn't live by my sight. I want to be the kind of person who lives trusting in You because, God, I know that You'll reward me. Lord, I pray that we would be people who look forward to Your reward. I pray that we would be people who live as disciples because we're, we're less concerned with what people think about us. We're less concerned with the rewards of this world. We're less concerned with the trials and, and consequences. We're less concerned with those things. Instead, we're concerned with You and the reward that You give and we long to be with You. God, I pray that we we be those kind of disciples that live that kind of life of faith. We pray these things in your name. Amen.